Thank you, Kosalelei. I feel really, really blessed today to be in front of you, and I think that I don't have words to express my gratitude to all of you guys. It has been a great, great week here, starting Wednesday. I mean, I spent time with the singles on Wednesday. It was great to see the singles over there. I had a lot of fun. Do you remember that picture about being single or married? Okay, I know that the singles are really excited today. Okay. And then um, uh, Friday night, I was with the campus ministry, and it was really great to be with you guys. Really inspiring. Yeah, so we are working really hard in uh, the church in El Salvador with the campus ministry, and the campus ministry really turned around. I mean, we had four students two years ago. We didn't have any couple who was in the full-time ministry. We had one couple last year, okay, to be in the campus ministry, and we didn't have any money, so several people in the church donated some money, I mean, for, to hire this couple, uh, and then they, they came to El Salvador, and in one year, the campus ministry went from four disciples to 30 disciples, and it has been really awesome to have a great ministry, which is also a training center for Central America, and I'm so glad, so glad to, to, to help the, the campus ministry. And yesterday I was with the Latinos, hermanos, que increíble. Fue increíble estar con los Latinos, con mucho ánimo, cantando la montaña. Yeah? Now all the Americans know how to dance, okay? La montaña se moverá, se moverá, se moverá. Yeah, we need to dance that. Uh, that. Uh, Marco asked me if we uh, sing that song in, in El Salvador. I say, no, we don't sing that song in El Salvador. Because uh, the reason are more from the Caribbean, okay? And people in El Salvador are a little bit different. Central America is a little bit different, with the exception of Honduras, okay? Honduras and people from Panama, they, they, they like to sing like that, okay? But people in El Salvador are very formal, yeah? So they, they, they don't feel like if they do this, they feel like kind of weird or something, okay? But... But they enjoy singing, okay, they enjoy really um, worshiping God, okay. But it was great to be with the uh, Latinos yesterday, and I'm so glad to have Latinos, because Los Angeles and, uh, has a lot of population of Latinos, so it's great that you guys in this region really invest in the Latino ministry, because I'm really sure that it's going to be a great impact for the whole church. Uh, and I'm so glad to be here in front of you. I said, well... How can I teach you? How can I say something with, I mean, in front of one of, uh, or several heroes of my faith here, yeah, I, I, I see Henry uh, Kramer, uh, Albert, Anthony Galang, Steve Gansard, uh, Marco Polisseri, and say, well, what, what to say? <laughs> I mean, they have so much to teach me, yeah, and you guys, all of you have taught uh, me a lot, yeah, with your love, with your passion, with your devotion for God. It has, been, it has been really, really great to be here. And I was so inspired during the communion to see the Galang's family, and I was sharing with them, thank you very much for sharing. I have two kids, 10 years old and 7 years old, and my dream is that one day they can become disciples. They can become disciples. And when I saw Nick and Chris, yeah, Nick and Chris sharing, I was just thinking about my son Aldo. Because you know that uh, Nick looks like Aldo. Yeah, so when I saw him, I said, well, he's like my son, yeah. <laughs> like Aldo. And, and Aldo is very noble, very pure heart. I mean, he, he, really wants to, he really wants to help other people all the time. And I just have in my mind the time when I can baptize him. 
So it's amazing. It's amazing when we see families converted. So that's why I, I, I can say that God is really awesome because he gave us an opportunity to be in his kingdom. And to be in his kingdom means that we have hope for our families. We have hope for our kids. But if you are a teenager, because I see a lot of young people here, yeah, very excited, there are a lot of teens, a lot of young people, so you can be also a hope for your family. You can be a hope for your brothers, for your sisters, for your parents. And it's great to see how God is working through families. Yeah, so remember, this world every day is a worse and worse. The technology and the world is stealing our children and is dividing families. But we need God. We need God in our hearts. And when we have God in our hearts, things are completely different. Definitely, we can experience hope. We can experience the unity. We can experience joy in our lives. And we can experience something that nobody understands. If you are visiting us today, if you are visiting the church today, you will see that. Not only with the fellowship, but with the power of the Word of God. That if you study the Bible, you will see that how your life can be changed. If you devote your life to God. So... Thank you for your contributions to Central America and Mexico. Uh, we have uh, more than 8,000 disciples in 37 churches in Mexico and Central America. And last year we saw uh, almost 800 uh, people baptized and restored in those 30, 37 churches, which was really awesome. Yeah. I have been... I have lived in several, several countries. I lived in Chile for one year, in Guatemala for three years. When we lived in Guatemala, we planted the churches in Central America. We planted uh, seven churches in Central America. Then I moved back to Mexico City, and I lived 10 years in Mexico City. Uh, we decided to plant churches around the country, so we sent out 24 churches in those 10 years, which was really awesome. And then I experienced, when you feel that you are doing great things, when, you are, when you're feeling that you are really awesome, that you, are, that, that you can do whatever you want to do, okay? But then God says, okay, now get on your knees and put your head on the sand, okay? So it was a very challenging time for me three years ago. And three years ago when I came here, it was not the best time in my life spiritually. But I really appreciate that you guys, even if you didn't know exactly what was going on at that time, but I really appreciate that uh, the people in LA just uh, helped me, really loved me, and believed in me. When It was a time when I thought that no one believed in me anymore. When there was a time when I thought that uh, I made so many mistakes that I thought, well, I, I don't think that I, uh, I, I, I think that this is the last thing for me. Okay? I, I cannot believe again. I cannot dream again. But God gave me a second chance. And when we have ch second chances, we really, really are grateful. And I am really grateful to have this opportunity. When I decided to go back to the, mi to, to the mission field in El Salvador, uh, I knew that it was a very difficult situation there. I knew that it, El Salvador is the uh, smallest country in Central America, but it's the second largest city in Central America. And at the same time, it's one of the most dangerous cities in Central America, and I can say in the world also, yeah? So we live in a country where there is not easy. When you cannot say that, hey, your kids can go to the street and play in the, in the parks, or they can go and go on, on their bikes and ride their bikes. Not at all. I mean, 
Actually, my, 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 my kids have bikes, okay? But the only thing that they can do with their bikes is in the, in the, in the backyard, okay? They can go around, 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 around. Until they get dizzy and feel, that is more than enough, okay? Well, I feel like, well, that's okay, yeah? That's for them. Because they cannot go outside. They cannot, I mean, play outside. I don't feel comfortable if they are playing outside. Of course not. I mean, this is not a, Salvador, San Salvador is not a very safe uh, place to live. But there are people. There are people. There are souls. There are hearts. There is a great opportunity to go and to preach the world. And you know, I'm so happy to live in El Salvador. I feel that I really want to live the rest of my life in El Salvador. That is not the way that I felt two years ago. Two years ago, I was dealing with the idea of or maybe I need to go back to uh, South America or maybe to Brazil or maybe to Mexico City. But now, I think that I counted the cost and I said, this is the place where I really want to be. And it has been really great to see all the miracles that God has performed during those uh, two years and a half. And I feel so happy. And I feel that every time that I share my faith with a Salvadorian, I feel like there is an opportunity to express my gratitude to God. Every time that I study the Bible with a Salvadorian, I feel that I'm saying, God, thank you for your love and thank you for your mercy. Thank you for giving me another chance to my life. Every time that I see a person baptized or restored in the church in El Salvador, I feel that God is just... I mean, standing up and saying, well, well done. I mean, you are doing a great job. And I feel so happy. So I say, God, thank you for giving me this opportunity. When you are in the mission field, if you don't love the country, if you don't love the culture, if you don't love the people, people will feel it, okay? And they won't accept you. So you need to be in the ministry. You need to be in the, in the mission field and feel so happy that in spite of all the circumstances, in spite of all the challenges that you are facing, you love God more than anything else and you love the people over there and then God does the rest. Definitely, He does the rest. Well, I think that I have only now 10 minutes. Before I see a bodyguard here. <laughs> so let's go to the Bible, please. And let's open our Bibles in the book of Acts in chapter 8. In chapter 8. This is one of the scriptures that I really, that it, it, it really inspires my life. Yeah? Because when you read the book of Acts, it's the history of the early church. Yeah? We're studying now in El Salvador during the month of February and uh, the first part of uh, March, the book of Acts. And it has been really interesting to go into all the details, into all the history, into all the cultural situations, okay? And it has been really awesome. But this part, especially this part, is re- this part of the, of the scripture, it inspires me a lot. Uh, we read uh, Acts chapter 8 in the first verse, okay? And it says, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned uh, deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. Uh, when the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. What I really want to share today is the 
opportunity that the disciples had at that time when there was the persecution. They had two options. Okay. We quit what we are doing or we go to other places and preach. And they went to different places. The persecution made a great impact on them. After the persecution, when they were having the persecution in Jerusalem, they went to Judea, they went to Samaria, they went to other places, but they were not there. They, went, they didn't go there to hide themselves. They went there to preach the, the word. They went there to, to help many, others, many other people. That is really amazing when we see that when you preach, when you preach God, when you talk about Jesus, when you uh, just tell others about what you feel in your heart, other people will be affected in a positive way. And the disciples, and the disciples went to all of these places and many people changed their lives. And many people just opened their eyes. And many chains were destroyed. And many people were free. And many people had a chance to live again. And many people had hope in their lives. So what happened at that time is happening right now. When you see all of these flags in front of you, there are disciples in each of those countries preaching the world, converting souls, talking about Jesus, preaching about what they feel and what God has done in their lives. And it's amazing to see that when you open your mouth, other people can be converted. But we need to understand, we need to understand this, okay? We need to go and preach because when we preach and when we talk about God, Chains can be destroyed. People set their hearts free. You know that nowadays we have many, many situations in this world. The patterns and the paradigm of this world is changing, even churches. Some churches have adjusted their idea, their, 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 uh, their idea uh, of Christ uh, to, the, to the world things. Because they are accepting many things from the world. And that is not what the Bible says. So we need to say the truth. We need to tell the truth. We need to preach the truth. But at the same time, we need to have compassion on people. Because when we preach the world, it means that we can see that the other person are like in prison. Chains have tied their, their soul. Not their hands, not their feet, but their soul, their hearts. Their hearts are, I mean, have tied to the, to the sin, to Satan. And Satan is destroying families. Satan is destroying the unity. Satan is destroying the young people. Satan is destroying hearts. And one of the chains that we need to break is the chain of bitterness. You know that when we, when we preach God, we just let people take off the uh, chains of bitterness. There are many people who have bitterness in their lives. And we don't want to accept that sometimes. But bitterness comes from emotional wounds that we have sometimes. Situations that are still happening in our hearts. Divorces, separations, lack of forgiveness. There are many families that are supposedly together, but they don't forgive each other. You can see families sit down in a restaurant and they don't talk to each other. The mother, the father, they just eat and they don't have conversations. You see that the children don't respect their parents. And those things, what have produced is bitterness in other people's hearts. You can see that the, that the, that the wife has a lot of bitterness against, uh, I mean, because of their husband's behavior. And the husband has a lot of bitterness because of their wife's 
uh, of his wife's behavior. And the children have a lot of bitterness in their heart because their parents don't respect them. And that's a situation that is destroying families nowadays. And we need to understand when we preach God, when we study Bible with people, when we just talk about Jesus, those chains are broken. Because God come, Jesus came to this earth to, to, to give hope to people. Jesus came to our lives to feel that we can forgive. Sometimes people feel like they were affected by someone else, but they don't want to forgive. They don't want to give another opportunity. They keep their hearts really uh, bitter. And what bitterness does in their heart is that it dries the heart. So the, the heart dies little by little. And then when you feel you, you, when you realize you don't feel anything, you don't, you don't feel love to the, to, to the ones who are close to you, you don't really want to try to change, and you don't let the other people to have another opportunity or the second chance, I mean, to resolve the situations in your heart. So we need to say, we need to think that God is providing hope for those hearts that are full of bitterness. I uh, met Roberto and Sandra. I'm going to share a story about Roberto and Sandra, uh, a couple of, of disciples in, in El Salvador. And they are very successful, very successful in their business. But they had a terrible marriage. They were in the middle of a divorce, okay? And I remember that Vero and I went to that restaurant. We didn't know that they were the owners of the restaurant. So we just sat down there. We asked for food. And then they came up to us and we invited to the Bible. They said, well, yeah, this is our restaurant. Oh, what a nice restaurant. Okay? But, okay, here's an invitation. I really want you to come and visit our church. So they came. But they were, they, they were in the middle of a divorce. It was very hard for them. They didn't believe in each other anymore. So we prayed with them. We gave a lot of uh, marriage counseling. We studied the Bible, okay? And then realized that they had a lot of bitterness in their hearts. They realized that something that happened in the past, they, have still, they, they are still dealing with, this, with these things in the present. And sometimes it happens with us, brothers and sisters and friends. Something that happened in the past, we're still dealing with these situations, and we don't want to forgive, and we don't want to, I mean, just to let it go, and that's it, okay? Sometimes you forgive people, yeah? But sometimes people will never ask for forgiveness to you, and you don't need to, I mean, just get deep into that situation. You just need to let, you just need to let it go. And say, okay, now, I'm not going to get stuck with this situation in my heart all the time. So Roberto and Sandra, and Sandra decided decided to give the, each other a second chance. They decided that God and Jesus were the only ones who could uh, heal their hearts. Okay? And they tried and tried and tried. It was not easy. Because when you decide to take up bitterness from your heart, it's not easy. Because you deal with a lot of emotions all the time, with a lot of memories from the past. And you know what happened? After eight months of studying the Bible, they were baptized. And it was really great to see how their marriage changed and how they are giving hope for other families. Now it's so great when I see Roberto and Sandra sitting down with another couple in the restaurant and studying the Bible with them. So I feel, my gosh, it was really great to study the Bible with these guys. God brought hope to their families. Can you imagine God bringing hope for your family if you are dealing with this kind of bitterness? If you don't feel that things are resolved, God is the hope for you, as it was the hope for Roberto and Sandra. Some other chains that we need to break are the chains of pridefulness. When we preach the word, the, the, the word of God, we need to see that people 
who have been dealing with a pridefulness can be free. And you know, sometimes we don't want to feel that um, we are prideful. We don't want to hear that we are prideful or we are dealing with pride. Yeah? But uh, if you think that you have got all you think, all the things that you have and all the achievements that you have, but you think that it was because of your intelligence, it was because of your um, uh, work, it was because uh, you did everything, man, you are dealing with pridefulness. Because God gave you life. And He decided that today you are still alive. Do you know how many people are dying today at this time? And you're still here alive. Yeah, because God, gave, God is giving you an opportunity. Why don't we go back and just try to be close to God? Because our pride is so, so big. Yeah, but we don't, that we don't realize, yeah, that God is working in our lives. But we just, we are just thinking, I am the one who is intelligent, who is very, very capable, who can do great things. But you are wrong. Totally wrong. I would like to share about Charlie. Charlie is a bodybuilder. And Charlie is a bodybuilder in the church in El Salvador. And he had money and he was very popular. Normally the bodybuilders are very popular. Yeah? And I remember that the first time that he came to church, I mean, he brought a couple of friends and all of them bodyguards, okay? And all, their, all the sisters were like... Some of the brothers were saying, hey, hey, hey! Why did you come here to this church? I mean, just to find a girl or what, okay? But they were tall, I mean, a lot of muscles here, okay? And uh, it was... I, I remember one of them came to church with a t-shirt. I mean, just... I mean. <laughs> and he said that he was not prideful. Yeah, but anyway. But, but they, were, they were sitting down there, and I remember Charlie. I mean, when all the songs, of course, they were not singing, no? They were like... All the time, yeah. <laughs> when you're a bodybuilder, you, you, you know, you, your neck is not flexible, okay? <laughs> you need to look like this and, and like that, no? <laughs> when you say hi, you say, hi, yeah? <laughs> but he had money, he was very popular, yeah? But he had a mess in his life, Yeah. He thought that he had everything, that he had built a life, that he had everything in his life. But he was a single, uh, a, a single um, par- parent, single, single parent, yeah. He had gone through a divorce. His life was um, full of drugs, alcohol, even if he was a bodybuilder. Now, then I understood, ah, oh, why he has all of those muscles. Yeah. But you know, uh, it was very sad to see Charlie. When I started the Bible with him, okay, uh, it was very sad to see how the sin had destroyed his life. How the pridefulness had destroyed his life. And I remember when we started the cross. We started the cross and it was the first time to see Charlie crying. And I felt like, like a father who sees his son suffering. And I saw him and, and, I, felt, and I felt really, uh, I mean, I felt really worried about him, but I felt like compassion. I had a lot of compassion for him. 
Then he decided to come again to the church. His friends, of course, didn't want to continue, okay, but he kept on coming to the church, okay, and he had to deal with this pridefulness. I have many things in my life that are part of my personality, but I, that, but Charlie didn't want to go deep in his heart dealing with his character issues. Sometimes we want to change our personality. And we have a great personality, but a bad character. And the character, the character is built by the moral values and spiritual values that can support your life. And it, it means that you need to work and work hard and hard in order to change things that you don't really want to change sometimes. That you don't even realize that they are your needs. Because they are part of your life. And Charlie was dealing with that. He had a great personality, but a bad character. And when I say bad character, it was not a person who was shouting all the time, who was angry all the time, but a person who was very selfish. But a person who was very lazy. But a person who was very... I mean, he, he didn't have integrity in his life. He had to deal with those things. And you know what happened? Charlie changed. And after almost a year of studying the Bible, Charlie decided to become a disciple. And he's our brother in the church in El Salvador. Now that every time I preach, I say, Hey, Charlie, you need to sit down here. You're my bodybuilder. You are my bodyguard, sorry. You're my bodyguard, okay? If someone attempts to go into, uh, to, to walk onto the stage, you immediately take him, okay? <laughs> He's great. I mean, he's a great guy. He's like a child, yeah, but it, 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 it's so great. It's awesome. And the last thing that I would like to share today is talking about the chains of sexual immorality. When we preach God, do you know, the chains of sexual immorality are broken. Because we give hope to other people. And it's great. As I told you in the very beginning of, the, um, of my um, conversation with you, the world is changing. And the world and the church tends to accept what the world is saying. You know, homosexuality, lesbianism, pornography, sometimes is part of a church. And we feel that it's, it's, I mean, it's acceptable. In places like in El Salvador, where it used to be very old-fashioned, yeah, and with, I mean, very strict um, ideas about morality, okay, now you can see two young men I mean, holding their hands, kissing each other in the street. The other day I was having uh, lunch with my, with my uh, daughter. And I was in a, those, uh, in a restaurant. And in front of us there were two girls, teen. All of them were teens. And they were kissing each other in front of us. I said, I was with my daughter. And what is she looking at? What is she seeing? And people think that this is normal. No, this is not normal. When we preach God, when we talk about Jesus, we need to say that the chains of sexual immorality needs to be broken. Because you know that we are very... uh, There is a temptation in our lives to hide sometimes uh, sins. Or sometimes the the temptations are very uh, easy to get them. 
When you go to your house, you have a computer, and it's very easy. Just with one button, you push the button, pornography is in front of you. And you decide if you're going to be pure or not. You decide if you're going to be a different person or not. But you know, sexual immorality is changing people. It's destroying families. It's destroying the teens. It's destroying the teens. It's really sad to see how the young people think about sex today. Because they don't think that they need to be pure until they get married. So they think, well, let, let's try. I think that I need to be like in a, uh, in a period of, uh, of try these things for me. There is a, a teen, in a, and I love the teen ministry. I really love the teen ministry. There is a teen in, a, in, in, in El Salvador. His, his parents were baptized, um, his parents were baptized, uh, last year, I think, that late October. Late October, yeah, more or less late, late October. But this guy was having a double life. He is 16 years old, and he was prostituting himself for money. It was very sad to see that a 16-year-old guy was doing this. That he wanted a different life, but he couldn't open his heart to anyone else. He didn't want to tell his parents about what he was doing. But when he wanted money, he knew where to go. And it was very sad. The young people being destroyed by Satan. The young people that won't have hope in their lives because Satan, he delights when he sees that people are getting away from God. And Satan was really happy to see this uh, young boy, I mean, walking very far away from God. And you know, um, he decided to study the Bible. He decided to study the Bible. He decided to be open all the time. And at the end, do you know what happened? Yesterday, he was baptized. It was so awesome to see what God can do in your heart. I can keep going and telling you lots of stories. But I think that the main purpose that I have here is to say thank you. Because all of these people have, all of these people have been saved. First of all, because God's grace. Second, because other people decide to give their lives to share their faith. So if you're a disciple, share your faith, please. And most important thing is that some other people really contributed. The church in El Salvador cannot support our, our work there because it's a small and it's growing and I hope that in the future we have this plan that they can support ourselves there. But we can be in Central America due to your contribution. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's worth it. And remember, every time that we preach the world, chains are broken and we can set hearts Free. God bless you and thank you very much. <laughs>